Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius and Finding Genius Foundation. I'm speaking to Maria Casanova Acebes. Uh, she's a postdoctoral fellow, uh, part of Mount Sinai, the Icon School of Medicine. Uh, currently, she's in Madrid, Spain. Uh, she had a PhD in cellular biology and genetics under supervision of Dr. Andres Hidalgo at Universidad Autónoma de Madrid. So we're going to talk about her research. So Maria, thank Hello. you for coming. Thank you very much, Richard. Pleasure to be here. Well, tell me about your research. What are you working on? Okay, so, um, I mean, I, I have just finalized my postdoc in Dr. Mirans Merat Lab at Monsignor School of Medicine in New York. And what we are very much interested in trying to understand if the origin of macrophages uh, gives like any kind of different response to now the so-called immunotherapies, right? So uh, we focus on non-small cell lung carcinoma because it's the main cause of cancers in the U.S. and worldwide, actually. And we are very much interested in macrophages because what we notice is that it's the major population in solid tumors, and especially in small cell lung cancers. So we try to target this population, this population of macrophages, which is highly heterogeneous in the tumors, so that we can get uh, a better outcome for patients, which now really uh, they don't have that much uh, window of curation. Uh, so what's the role of macrophages typically in the immune response? So normally, let's say that... Um, uh, depending on the insult that is macrophages, they might act differently. So, for example, at very early stages, and when you have, like, for example, COVID infection or when you have uh, a bacterial infection in the in the airways, what they do is that they phagocyte those bacteria or they phagocyte also those viruses. But depending on the degree and the virus and the bacteria, they can uh, promote the activity of T cells or they can suppress it. Normally, in cancer, what they do is that they suppress the activity, and in infection, in acute infections, what they do is that they signal through the endothelium, and then what it happens is that they cause uh, directly or indirectly the infiltration of other myeloid cells, which are neutrophils, which distract the tissue, basically. So let's say that they are the first barrier to contain sometimes bacteria and viruses, but they can also signal to other cells to cause major damage or to inactivate T cells. So those are, let's say, the three main functions of macrophages. You know, what are some of the other players in the immune system? You know, just so people yeah. understand, like what are the mm -hmm. basic cells and what do they do? Yeah, normally, let's say that you have the first um, stop of the immune system is the innate immune system, uh, which is composed by neutrophils, macrophages, natural killer cells, innate cells, right? So it's, this is the kind of, of immune system which we are all born with. Uh, but later on, when we are when we start encountering uh, pathogens, we develop another arm of the immune system, which is the adaptive immune system. 
that needs to be trained and needs to be trained by the innate system. So this adaptive immune system, let's say they have like a way more specific response and this is composed by B cells and T cells, right? So for example, now that we are all pretty aware of the immune response in the context of COVID, we all want to generate antibodies, right? And those antibodies are gonna be made up by plasma cells that are gonna produce a whole repertoire of antibodies against a virus in this case. But this, uh, this antibody production has to be triggered by other immune cells of the innate system, which are dendritic cells. So this is the this is the thing. Let's say we have like a more broad kind of immune system that is the innate arm, and then a more specialized that needs to be like fine-tuned by the innate system, which is the adaptive immune system. So which immune system are macrophages assigned to? The innate or the, the innate? Uh, the, the innate. Let's say that our study, for example, was focused on the embryonic macrophages, which are part of this innate immune system, which they are called embryonic because when there is a fetus at normally two months of gestation in, in humans, those, those macrophages are already there. So it's pretty amazing because you don't have B cells or T cells, but you do have macrophages which, again, they don't only operate when you have a disease, but they also work during homeostasis. So, for example, there's a population of macrophages in the brain that is called microglia that you need it to get your synapses, your brain uh, properly uh, formed and your neurons to be pruned, like to form like a network of connections. If you don't have microglia, you have problems with cognitive function, with motor function, with Alzheimer's disease. So let's say that the macrophages are the main innate population you need also for development. The job of macrophages is to find viruses or bacteria and engulf them and digest them. Yeah, yeah, that's the main role, let's say, during a pathogenesis. But for example, uh, the main role of these macrophages, as I was just uh, mentioned to you during embryogenesis, is, for example, to phagocytose. You know, when there is an embryo development, there is a lot of cells which are proliferating to form an organ. But there are a lot of cells also which are dying because this organ is, let's say, the turnover of the cells is pretty, pretty fast when these cells are, when the organ is forming. So then there are these macrophages, which are going to be, let's say, like the scavenger cells, right? The cells that are going to clean up all the debris, debris. So what can go wrong when a macrophage engulfs a virus or a bacteria? For example, there are like, let's say there are pretty, a lot of controls. For example, uh, to start with a macrophage, to, it has to be able to detect that bacteria, right? Or that virus. There are some viruses which are uh, able to mutate and to hijack this innate system to, let's say, dampen, dampen the, the receptors, the proteins that these viruses press on the membrane in order to, to be hidden from the detection of the innate system of the, of the detection of macrophages. So let's say that's one of the checkpoint controls. Then it can happen that, okay, the virus is recognized, is engulfed that this macrophage, but there is so much virus to deal with that this macrophage, let's say, is a moment in which it cannot deal with it, right? So it needs another 
another group of cells, which are monocytes, that helps them to, to eat more, right? So if the number of monocytes, these monocytes are not able also to phagocytose, there is another problem, right? These viruses are going to start to replicate, but it's not going to have cells that are able to remove them. Uh, that is something that happens also with COVID. And then there is a problem that, okay, you may have the numbers, you may have the supporters, which are the monocytes, for example, but uh, while these monocytes were coming into the tissue to help to clean up the, the mess that the virus has left, uh, you may have caused a lot of endothelial damage, right? So you will have a lot of hemorrhage. So when you have that hemorrhage, those macrophages do not only have to deal with the virus, but they will have to deal also with a lot of blood cells that they were not supposed to be there. And they still, they cannot be clean because again, number-wise, they are unbalanced. So there are cells that are very effective with when everything goes well, well, but when there is a lot of disturbances or when there is a, a lack of homeostasis, they need help and they need to, to maybe teach this other arm of the immune system, what I was telling you, to call for more help. Um, do viruses target macrophages and infect them deliberately? Like, you know, can they, can a virus act like a landmine or a poison pill when the macrophage eats it? Yeah. Then it says, yeah. oh, and the virus, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's not, let's say that uh, normally when a macrophage that will be infected by a virus, most probably it will cause like a lot of inflammation, uh, the release of a lot of inflammatory cytokines and chemokines by macrophages. And eventually, if there is enough uh, virus titer, that macrophage will die. But it won't be a reservoir of viruses because let's say that that happens with T cells in the case of the HIV. But uh, let's say that macrophages cannot cannot hold uh, their function is not being a reservoir of virus. But uh, when there is a lot of them uh, into a macrophage, most probably it will those those no. I can tell you by uh, for sure that that macrophage will, will die. So what are you uh, studying right now? What's the focus of it? Before we continue. I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. So uh, as I said, I mean, I was very much interested in in cancer because of personal reasons, a long story of cancers in my family, and I became very much interested in macrophages because during my PhD I was uh, working on neutrophils mainly but I was studying them in the context of the phagocyto of their phagocytosis by by macrophage and at that time I was very fascinated by by the notion that again macrophages are 
highly plastic cells, and that plasticity is imprinted by the signals that they receive in the tissue that they, they leave. So now that I've been studying these cells in the context of lung cancer, and I've seen that they are also plastic in tumors, what I want to ask is like, okay, there's plasticity of these macrophages in the tumors, there's plasticity in the steady state, how that plasticity is, let's say, uh, perturbed at the early stages of disease. What would that be balanced for by the early uh, metastatic cells that are producing or by the tissue, by the the imprinting of the the signals that they are receiving, which are pre-disease. So that's where we're moving on in the context of early progression of uh, ovarian cancer uh, and early metastasis. So how do you think macrophages are involved in the beginnings of cancer when it starts? Uh, I mean, it's kind of an interesting scenario because let's say that you may have like a tumor cell that leaves from a primary tumor and and, and enters into an organ that let's say it's is naive, right? So uh, it does not have a lot of disruptive tissue, a lot of hemorrhage. So it's a macrophage that is still like in a kind of deciphering what is going on, right? It's like, okay, I was uh, really happy in this tissue eating like, okay, the normal epithelial cells that I should eat for lunch. But let's say, for example, I received this tumor cell. So what are going to, what I, what is the decision that mar- that macrophage is, is going to turn into? Is it going to be a macrophage more tolerogenic to, to allow that that tumor will grow? Or is it going to indeed actually try to phagocytose that, that tumor cell and come back to homeostatic disease, right? So that's the, the molecular process I want to study. What would you guess happens? Do you think that the cancer cells are able to not only evade our immune system, but also evade macrophages? Like, what do you think the interaction between cancer cells and macrophages is? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of kind of interesting because you don't get at these very early stages, not all the organs are able to generate uh, metastasis, right? For example, uh, kidneys do not generate tumors per se. For example, do not generate metastasis. And you don't get that many metastases. For example, let's say in the bone marrow, there are some prostate cancer uh, metastasized highly into the bone, but not that much. So there are organs somehow in which uh, there is privilege. There are privileges in the sense that you don't get metastases there. And uh, what I want to understand is that kind of cutoff is explained in, in the kind of macrophages that you will have in that tissue. So what do you think are some of the nuances of the interaction? Like, what, what do you think is different about a cancer cell that causes a macrophage to either have a problem or do they just not see them or do they release compounds that tell the macrophage, you know, something's wrong there, but they can't find it? Like, what do you think is happening? For example, there is like in the field of cancer stem cells, and I mean, some of the cells that leave a primary tumor and get into another tissue, and they have like properties of cancer stemness, right? So this cancer stemness is defined at the at like by expression, by low expression of a molecule that is MHC class one. So these macrophages may not be able to, this is one of the examples, and it's not only restricted to macrophages, but also to other uh, cells of the innate cells, like uh, dendritic cells. They, they will use these kind of molecules to avoid the recognition by these macrophages. So in that regard, you will need to first understand and try to 
isolate those cancer cells that are in close location to these macrophages to understand this kind of uh, signaling. How are they hidden, right? What are the molecules that they are expressing not to be, not to be seen? If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. How do you know that they're hiding? Like, can you observe this, you know, yeah, yeah, in, in vivo somehow? Or how do you, yeah, what yeah. model do you use to look at this? Yeah, there is like, for example, you can trace those those cancer cells, right? Using porters, fluorescent proteins, in which you see like you can do longitudinal imaging and so you, okay, now I have like a tumor, for example, in the mammary gland. But normally in this tumor model, uh, there is metastasis in the lung. And, so what you can do is that using uh, fluorescent microscopy, uh, isolate the organs and scan them by imaging and see, okay, do I see these tumor cells which express, for example, GFP? And whenever I see these tumor cells, are they in close contact with macrophages? Can I just isolate those tumor cells? Can I understand what are the expressions? So those are the, this is the methodology that you use to, to ask these kind of questions. But do the tumor cells act as beacons you know, to the macrophages, but then when the macrophages get close, then they don't know where to go. So do they just pile up useless in a particular tissue near a cancer cell or near a yeah. tumor? Like, where do the, what do the macrophages do? How far do they yeah. go before they stop? Yeah, I mean, uh, the macrophages, they are normally like high migratory cells, right? So they can be like attracted somehow by the, okay, there is a, so that tumor cells needs to, to migrate and break some tissue in order to home and to engraft into a tissue, right? So those signals, the macrophage does not need to be in super close contact to sense them and to start migrating through the parenchyma of the tissue, right? So that tumor cell, let's say, can make indirectly some signaling that the macrophage will say, okay, something's going, going wrong in this tissue. So it will migrate and go in close locations. But maybe sometimes it's close enough and the tumor cell has also sensed that, okay, I start to have like some surveillance in here. So at that particular moment, that tumor cell might change something in their phenotype. So that is not clear. And it gets like kind of an advantage because it remains dormant in the tissue for a while. But whenever that is not feeling, is not sensing this uh, immune pressure, it will start proliferating, right? And generating okay. eventually a tumor. So what's observed? Do you observe a lot of macrophages sitting there around a tumor? Yeah. Like, could they, yeah. could they be used as beacons to tell you there's a tumor, but they're just yeah, again yeah. sitting there doing nothing? Yeah, I mean... Some of the findings that uh, I gathered while I was uh, doing the postdoc uh, showed me that that was indeed the fact, right? When I was seeing that these uh, tumor cells start to be seen in other organs, what I see is that there is always like a macrophage that it's very, very in close contact to these, to these cells. However, when I get rid of those macrophages, of a pretty specific population of macrophages, because as I mentioned to you before, macrophages come in very different flavors and in very different shapes, I would say. When I get rid of those, there is no tumor cell that somehow hangs around. So these macrophages somehow promote the activity and the growth of these tumor cells. But there are other population of macrophages, which is the one um, that I was mentioning to you at the very beginning, the embryonic ones, 
with dampen the activity and impede the growth of these cells. So that's why when we call about macrophages, we cannot just generalize. We have to study them in the time of the lesion, but also in the in the tissue in which the tumor is going to grow because the activity of these macrophages will change in regard to the activity of the tumor cells. How would they help or how would they, how would they slow tumor? down tumor growth? What are the mechanisms? Yeah, mechanisms? So we have a study that in the case of the tumor resident, tissue resident macrophages, one of the main axes that drives this process is a cytokine that is called TGF-beta. So this TGF-beta that is secreted by these macrophages. So it's a factor that gives like some fueling to the tumor cells. So when these macrophages uh, secrete TGF-beta, these tumor cells start to, to invade and generate more tumors to promote metastasis. And in the case of other uh, macrophages, what they do is that somehow they, um, they impede the turnover of the tumor cells. So whenever you don't have these uh, macrophages, these tumor cells do not proliferate. So those are the mechanisms that we have uh, studied. But again, this is in the context of non-small cell lung cancer. And in other tissues, those, uh, those mechanisms could be very, very different. But why would macrophages produce compounds to make tumors spread faster versus yeah. slower? I mean, there are like some hypotheses that we've been trying to think about, but we think that at the beginning, uh, these tumor cells, they somehow recapitulate the, the program of uh, morphogenesis, right? It's pretty similar to when an organ is forming. So you will need a little of turnover in order to, to promote growth, right? There is, in every organ, there is a certain number of cells that the tissue can hold. And that number is established by the cells that proliferate, but also the cells that are eliminated, right? So what we think is that these embryonic macrophages, what they do is that uh, they get somehow, they recall that the function when they were uh, in the embryo promoting the growth of a human being or of a mouse, that, that's what uh, we studied mainly, it was to, to reci- recycle, right? And to to balance this uh, number of cells. And that those cancer uh, cancer cells, what they do is that they, they mimic that program of epithelial cells that need to be renewed. And, and that's what we think that is happening. Do you think that the macrophages are themselves uh, cancerous now? Do they somehow uh, become cancerous? Or, I don't know, are they, are they, is there a particular yeah. virus that infects them that causes them to change their action? Yeah, as I say, macrophages at the at the molecular level, let's say they are like very, they are in, unable to be infected. Let's say you cannot introduce a virus uh, that mutates them because uh, their genome, let's say, it's it's protected so much against these virus infections that if whenever a virus will infect that macrophage, that macrophage will die. So the virus does not take any kind of advantage infecting a macrophage. What the virus does very well is that it destroys a cell that is the first barrier, right? So in the moment that that first container, that first checkpoint is disrupted, it has like a very free way in order to to, uh, infect and mutate other more sophisticated cells that can induce uh, further damage, which are T-cells, for example. Okay, I got you. So I know I've asked you before, but now that we've gone over some stuff, it'll make more sense. So Mm -hmm. what what are you trying to figure out again? What's your hypothesis right now? Yeah, I mean, the hypothesis that we are trying to to further prove in, in other organs in order to 
to to make let's say a statement that it will be valid in order to target this population of, of macrophages uh, in other organs it's trying to understand if the same mechanisms that i was mentioning to you before either this proliferation or the prometastatic potential of embryonic macrophages that also happens in other uh, in other organs right and if it, that kind of behavior if is triggered by particularly tumors that are driven by other drivers in the case of uh, non-small cell lung cancer, what we have studied is in the context of PTP3, KRAS, and EGFR mutations, but those are not the main mutations that happen in other kinds of cancer. So what we want to understand is that same behavior happens in other cancers so that we can target uh, systemically uh, several, uh, several kinds of cancer. So the cancer you're focused on is small cell carcinoma in the lung? Yeah, it's it's not only non-small cell lung cancer that no one will try also to to try to identify these kind of programs in ovarian cancer and, and triple negative breast triple negative breast cancer. So what do you imagine that will happen with the macrophages? What do you think yeah, differently yeah. happens with them? Yeah. I How think do you that, test uh, you test it with uh, utilizing like different models in which you can uh, manipulate those cancer cell lines to spread uh, different oncogenes or tumor suppressor genes. And then uh, what you can do is just isolate those macrophages in those tissues and trying to understand if uh, those macrophages recapitulate this function. So using in vitro experiments in which you establish co-cultures you put together macrophages and tumor cells, which express these different kind of mutations, and macrophages that come from different tissues, from the mammary gland, from the lung, from the peritoneal cavity, for example. So those are uh, the ways you can uh, approach this question. Well, very good. What, what do you think you're going to be able to figure out perhaps in the next year or so? Is there anything yeah. you're getting close to? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I just finalized my postdoc and I'm starting actually my own laboratory. So um, starting the lab in the middle of this worldwide pan- pandemic is kind of kind of challenging, I would say. But I mean, what I'm aiming to is just trying to establish the models that I was mentioning to you, trying to establish these in vitro cultures and then moving these in vitro observations into in vivo models in which we can manipulate these, these macrophages as well and trying to interrogate if targeting one population of macrophages might also promote a, a better response on T-cells. So you're using mouse models. Are you going to use organoids? Or are you going to try yeah, to jump to humans yeah, yeah, directly? Yeah. yeah, these in vitro models I was telling you is kind of a, it's, it's a organoid or human organoids in which we will get PDX, which are patient-derived xenografts. So that allows you to to grow uh, tumors in immune-suppressed mice, let's say, but then uh, you can get those organoids grown and then come back to the in vitro using uh, peripheral blood cells, for example, and differentiate those into macrophages in order to establish these in vitro organoids. And then if you get a target there, then you can, of course, come back again to validate those observations in vivo, coming back to mice models, and then hopefully retrospectively can get access to human samples uh, here. Well, very good. Maria, what's the best way for people to find out more about your work? Well, you just, I mean, now it's difficult to to visit us, but you can always come to uh, www.cnio.es and look for Cancer Immunity Lab in Madrid at CNIO. 
and you can find out what we are doing and where we are moving there, uh, moving in the next years. Well, very good, Maria. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.